Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. Well, good morning, church. How are you guys? Good, good. You guys look well. Hey, it's nice to see you guys from here. It's my favorite thing to see you guys from here. Well, this morning, I, I wanted to talk to you guys about um, something that I've, has been on my heart for a little while now. Well, for a long time now, I guess. And it's probably something you've heard me talk about to some degree before, if you've heard me talk, because it's something that uh, I haven't perfected, but it's something that I'm really passionate about, and that is God's love. (laughs) God's love for us, and not only God's love for us, but the love that we're supposed to show to others because of God's love for us, right? So we're going to talk today a little bit, and today we're, we're going to seek together t- to get a fuller or even just a, a beginner's <laughs> revelation of his love for us. And we also want to seek together to give ourselves completely to him. We kind of had a joke this week. Um, Andrew and Carrie were at the house, and he said, oh, don't you know this guy? And I said, we were trying to figure out who this guy was, Michael Irvin, Irving. We were like, he said, oh, he had, we had been talking about people who had like Christians who had been like Carmen. Carmen had cancer. I don't know if y'all knew Carmen the singer. Champion, I don't know. It's a <laughs> Christian culture, 90s. Um, but Carmen had, had cancer. He beat it. Um, and so did Darlene Sheck. She, she overcame cancer. But, and he said something about Michael Irving did something, and we were like, who is Michael Irving? Because <laughs> we had been talking about these, you know, very popular. And so I said, is he a Christian? Like, we, is this the same thing we're talking about? And he was like, well, sort of. And I was like, sort of? What does that mean? <laughs> but it's kind of funny because we kind of like, we do that, don't we? We're like, well, we think he's sort of a Christian. Like, he'll quote some scriptures, you know, or he has like a scripture on his jersey. Um, but... And so it was just kind of a funny, a funny moment that we were like, he's sort of kind of a Christian, but we're not sure. But so like, that's what we never want to be, right? Sort of kind of a Christian, like people aren't sure that we're a Christian, that we're following Christ. Isn't that the definition of Christian, that we're Christ followers, that we are like Christ? And so it's funny because then my dad brought me over um, a... This, I don't even know what this is. He said he gets it monthly. It's, it's just, um, oh, it's teachings from um, a certain guy that he likes. So they have these little devotionals. And he, he marks one for me and tells me to look at it. And it was interesting because it said, today's mission, today give yourself completely to Messiah who gave everything he had for the love of you. And we had just talked about being like a sort of kind of Christian, and I thought it was kind of funny because it kind of went together. But sometimes I think it's hard for us to give ourselves completely whenever we don't 
have a full revelation of the love of God for us. It's hard for us to understand even how, how he could love us that much because we haven't even begun to love anything like he loves us. We, I, I mean, sometimes we really, really love our family. We really love our spouse. We love people are passionate about pizza or football or, you know, but that's not, it doesn't compare. It doesn't compare to any kind of love. People in the world, they see love as, they, they take counterfeits. They take counterfeit love in the form of pleasure. Um, trying to keep it PG for the kids in here. So they take counterfeits. And I just, I just want us to con- today to seek him together and his love, seek a revelation of his love. And, I, and I, maybe that doesn't make really a lot of sense to you, but I think that he really wants to give us a deeper revelation. And what I've always understood about revelation is that um, whenever you, like everybody knows God loves you, right? You would say, yeah. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever. Exactly. You know, you know the scripture. But do you really know like in your heart not just in your head, like, yes, God, oh, yes, Jesus loves me. Can you turn this gate off? Um, do you really know in your heart that the Father loves you? Um, have a revelation of God's love we must know, which is in our head, right? But understand, recognize, be conscious of. Is That's something I'm not always conscious of. I'm not going around every day, which is probably a problem. I should probably work on this. <laughs> I'm not going around every day saying like, like, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. You know, like walking in, that, in the fullness of that. Being conscious of his love, experiencing his love, believing his love, adhering to his love, putting faith in, relying on his love. So most people don't have a revelation of this kind of love. Most people can't quote many scriptures about God's love for us, except maybe John 3.16. But in 1 John 4.17, I'm going to go to it. I have a scripture page. It helps me. I need the, the the little John, not the big John. You like all my notes? Sorry. You can laugh at me. I laugh at me today. <laughs> she don't say sorry. It's okay. And as we live in God, our love grows more, more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. And in this other um, translation, it says, herein is our love made perfect. Whenever you have a revelation of his love, then your love can be made perfect. Your love can be perfected. And then what does it say about perfect love? Perfect love casts out all fear. So if you're living with fear and anxiety, 
then what's the remedy to that? Like a revelation of his love. If you're living with, I mean, just doubts, <laughs> not trusting him, not understanding him, like what is, what is, what's this, the remedy to that? His love. John, right here in this same passage, let me find it. It just, talk, it just talks about God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. This is 1 John 4, 16. If you guys back there would throw it up on the screen. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And then we already read 17. So skip down to 18. Such love has no fear because perfect, spell, perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment, and this shows we have not experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. I like, I like where it says, if we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment, and this shows that we haven't experienced his perfect love. God is so good, you guys. He's not what people make him out to be. He's not what religion has made him out to be. He's so good, and he's so trustworthy, and he loves you so much. And I don't know, I, can, I don't even know that I can explain it to you or begin to explain it to you, but I can only encourage you to seek after his love and to seek after a revelation of his love. In, in the Greek, there's, there's four different um, words for love. One is eros, and it's just like erotic love. And it's not even like in the Bible, I'm pretty sure. Because <laughs> that's not the kind of love that, that's the worldly love. Um, there's phileo. It talks about like friendly or brotherly love. There's, I think, uh, it starts with estergio. I don't know how to say it, y'all. I'm not Greek. Um, and that's like a family love. It's like you love your family very deeply, right? Family, family love. But then there's agape love. And agape love is that God kind of love that literally, where did it, it came from him, straight from him. Because we don't have that in us just naturally. We don't have this love that just overflows and, and wants to bless others or give to them or love them with nothing in return. We don't have that naturally. Not with sin nature anyway, not... But with God, like, he empowers us to love like that. Because that's what he, he's asking us all to do, right? To love people like that. And that's hard in this day and age, y'all. <laughs> that's hard. People say things and they make you mad. And you want to slap somebody. You want to show them the love of Christ. <sighs> A slap. But that's not the kind of love that agape love is, Right? Agape love expects nothing in return. It's selfless. It's the, it's the love in, it's in the love in 1 Corinthians that we're all always trying to attain. I'm going to go to it. I'm going to go to it in the Passion Translation. 
You guys know what the best uh, translation is? Anybody? That's right, the one you read. <laughs> it's my favorite. The Passion Translation, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is large and incredibly patient. <laughs> I'm, already, I'm already not patient, so I'm not that yet. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. Yeah, definitely not kind to all all the time. So <laughs> refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. <laughs> Love does not brag about one's achievements or inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. And love never takes failure as defeat for it never gives up. Love never stops loving and it extends beyond the gift of prophecy which eventually will fade away. Love remains after everything else fails, you guys. And if love remains, what are all the things that we're putting in our life and we're, and we're giving out? We're giving out judgment. We're giving out, we're being impatient. We're, we're bragging. We're being prideful. We're, what's going to be left? If love's the only thing that remains and we, we are choosing not to love, what's going what's gonna to remain? <laughs> We have to choose, we have to choose, and we have to choose to seek love. But listen, all of these things, this is, this is yes. This is a challenge to us, right? And it's not impossible because the Lord is on your side. And he empowers us to live right and to love right. And when you get a full revelation of his love, then this is going to be easier, much easier. So that's why I'm saying, first of all, we have to seek his love. And that's why, you know, our, our, our vision here is first to love God and then to love people and to lead well. Because if we can love God and like let him love us and like understand the revelation of his love, then that outflow is going to be loving people. And when you love people, you're going to be obedient. Well, when you love people and you love God and he loves you, then you're going to be obedient to him, right? And he's going to use you to help people. He's going to use your gifts to help people. He's going to use your mouth, your hands, your feet, whatever, whatever he has. You're going to be obedient to him, and he's going to use you. But it all begins with knowing his love and even resting in his love. We strive so much. We strive so much just to do better, to be better, you know, but we have to remember, like, He's the point of it all, right? It's not the religious duties. It's not going to church, check that off, give my tithes, check that off, sing this song, listen to worship in the car, check that off. It's <laughs> go on a mission trip, check that off. You know, it, it's not those things. Those are all good things, and they're all probably things that he will ask you to do. He is asking you to do. But the first and foremost is to know him and to love him and to be loved by him. And if you don't, if you don't start there, you're going to get your priorities screwed and you're going to end up religious like the Pharisees, right? And I don't want to be religious like the Pharisees because 
the Pharisees are who ended up killing Jesus, right? <laughs> and I don't want to be on that side. I don't want to be there. I don't want to make that. Those, the, that's a massive mistake. Although the mistake, it was God's plan, it ended up working out for all of us, including the Pharisees. I don't, I don't like that. I don't want to be that, you know? I don't want to, I don't want to stay there. So I want to seek together a revelation of the Father's love. Um, in this article that my dad gave me, it talks about, um, in Jewish tradition, Hebrew betro- betrothal, which is like engagement. Um, the bridegroom, the groom would make a special visit to the house of the one he wanted to marry. He then had to be willing to pay the bridal price for her hand in marriage. The woman then asked, would then be asked if she was willing to give her life to the, this man. And the one who pray, pays the price is the bridegroom. Didn't that sound like Jesus? <laughs> he paid the price. There are many things in life you can give your heart to. The pursuit of money, ambition, success, fame, comfort, marriage, pleasure, a career, a cause, which some causes are good, right? But most people live their lives giving themselves to one or, one or another of these things. But the bride must only give herself to the one who will give himself for her, the one who pays the price for you. He is your bridegroom. Don't give yourself to the God of, gods of this world, none which have ever given anything for you, but give yourself completely to the only one who gave himself completely for you. I just feel like that's, that's so interesting. He also talks about, um, talk about Jewish weddings, right? And in the Jewish wedding, there was like a, it kind of talked about it right there. But they would get betrothed, which is engaged. The groom gave his bride to be an object of value, like kind of like we do now, a ring or a money or deed of intention, something symbolic. Then the father of the groom would pay the bridal price. It was like a promise, just like a promise for the future. It was legal. It was a legal thing. And then after that ceremony, the bride remained in her father's house to prepare for the day her groom would come back. He would leave. <laughs> he would leave his house, uh, her house and go to his house. And she wouldn't know when he was coming back. Would that kind of irritate some of y'all? It's fine. <laughs> it would just irritate me a little bit. I'd be like, no, when, you're, when are you coming back? But it's okay. So she would remain in her father's house waiting and preparing for the day her groom would come back for her and marry her and take her to his house. Uh, they couldn't cohabitate. The bride must remain a virgin. Using this time to pre- pre- prepare herself for marriage. In this in-between time was where the bride must make herself ready for her coming groom. And this preparation meant making her own wedding gown. That's pretty hard, y'all. Getting ready for her new role, transferring her allegiance from her father to her new husband, going from familiar to the unfamiliar, from depending on family to depending on her husband for everything, learning to love him because this was not normally like a, like a romantic thing. It was like a setup thing. Learning to love him and settling her mind on how to please him. So during this preparation period, the bride is referred to as the consecrated or set apart or sanctified. She always wore a veil, so it was apparent to others that she was engaged, and it was symbolic of a pledge or a commitment. And then the second part of the Jewish marriage was called, 
there's a very hard word here, so I'm just going to call it the marriage ceremony. The groom often surprised his bride by an, an, his unexpected or early return, and all the Jewish brides were said to be stolen, caught up, or snatched by surprise. The bride was then led to the groom's house by a wedding procession of women carrying lighted lamps similar to the parable of the ten virgins, if you guys are familiar with that. I thought that was kind of cool because I was like, hey, I understand it more now. Lamps were part of the bride's preparation in case her groom came at night. The bride was arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, and the ceremony was held at the, father's, the groom's father's house and usually included only a few guests. At this time, a series of benedictions are made, and the couple were finally made husband and wife. And then they have a wedding feast for seven days, which is awesome. I'm down for that. A party for seven days, yeah. <laughs> but the thing I, I think is really interesting is that God, in the Bible, he, he talks about Jesus coming back, and he, he talks about um, all the different things about the, the, the bride of Christ and the bridegroom, and he makes those... Um, those correlations, you know, to the, to the Jewish um, and Hebrew culture. And it made sense for them. And I think it's really cool that it got set up like that and that that's how God kind of intends for us. So if you didn't see any the parallels, I'll tell you, we are set apart, consecrated, sanctified, and we are waiting for Jesus to come back and snatch us up. <laughs> to scoop us up because he's coming back and we don't know when, right? Um, and I just think that's so important to think about that because we were talking the other day, which this wasn't really anything I planned to say, but we were talking the other day about a lot of people live for retirement, right? Some of them. <laughs> But a lot of people do. They, they plan for retirement, right? They plan for the end of their life. They plan for, to be able to, you know, move to Florida to a nice condo and have a boat. I don't know. I just, that's what I always see in movies. So I just, I just you know, put that out there. Um, <laughs> hey, Florida's not bad. Don't knock Florida, okay? Um, but they plan for the end of their life. But we were, I don't remember what I was reading, but I remember we had, I was, we were talking about something and it had to do with if people only understood after this life is over, it's not the end. If people only understood that we're living for the next age, I want to say age, the next, after this life is over, after this earthly bodies over after the earth ends after you die if you're just like you're living for retirement if you begin to live for that for heaven not only heaven but all the things that God has planned because God does not just plan for us to go up there and swing around like angels and sing some songs <laughs> I'm not saying he isn't worthy to be worshipped and he, he, he will be but I'm saying he has plans because God always has a purpose for things, right? So God doesn't just be like, well, after this life, when you just go and there's nothing to do. Like, God has purposes for things. And I know that a lot of people have been taught that, oh, you die, you just go to heaven. 
He has a place for you. God, the big, big house, there's lots and lots of rooms. Big, big table, lots and lots. Okay, I really am excited about the food, but (laughs) what I'm saying is... (laughs) Those are all going to be great things, but I know that the Lord has a purpose beyond just heaven. Heaven is a place for us because he saved us out of, out of darkness where we put ourselves in. But if we would begin to live for the next life, as we live for this life, as we prepare and plan and save if we would begin to live for the next life, that's what God is asking us to do, really, you guys. And so your, your choices here and your, everything here has eternal uh, reactions. I'm trying to think of the word I'm trying to use consequences? I don't want to say consequences. It sounds kind of bad, but I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm there too. Um, and so you have to think here, like, we can't be so focused on this right, right here, right now, this, this time. Like, there are things that God assigns us to. There are things that we're called to do. You know, some people are in school, some people, but we always have to be thinking ahead to the Lord, not to our retirement in Florida in the condo, (laughs) to the Lord, to what he has for us. And that is why it's so important for us to be obedient to the Lord when he asks us to pray for somebody, when he asks us to minister to somebody, when he asks us to love somebody that's really hard to love, which he asks us to do all the time. FYI, if you didn't know. Because he said, if you're loving just people who are easy to love, then you're really not loving. That's not hard. (laughs) Sorry. I like how God's a little salty. (laughs) He's like, definitely not loving if you just love the people who are easy to love. (laughs) Uh, So I'm like, that challenges me every day. (laughs) Because sometimes we get irritated. I'm sorry. I get irritated. And I'm like, no, I'm done. But the Lord doesn't ever say he's done with you, does he? So, like, we, Christ-like, let's, let's not be done with people. <laughs> um, let's go to Jeremiah 29, 11. I know it's very, like, typical, right? And if you've ever graduated high school, you definitely know this verse. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is every graduate's verse. Anybody can quote it? Can anybody quote it louder than they are doing it right now? (laughs) For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Okay, but normally people like stop. They're like, yes, I have a future. I'm going to college. Because, you know, we're still in graduation. That's when we read this verse and we learn it. Um, and so they have a future and a hope. So you're going to go to college and you're going to do this. But the Lord, Andrew was talking to me the other day and he was like, he was like, Caitlin, (laughs) I don't know. It wasn't this, this cute, but (laughs) he said, Jesus was the future and the hope. And I was like, what? But he has other plans for us too. I was just trying to, you know, I don't know. I'm just trying to be, I'm just sassy sometimes. But like, if you really look at it and you think of it, this was before, like, Jesus came, y'all. This is B.C., before Christ. 
This is Old Testament. (laughs) And so his plan really was to get them out of this mess that they made at this place that they're in. He had plans for a future, for a hope. And that was Jesus Christ. And in Jesus is where we live. We have our being, right? We breathe, we live, we have our being. And that's just like, that's so, man, it all just connects. Like, that's what's cool about the Bible, you guys. If you start reading it, it all really does connect. So just just FYI out there. But if you keep going past 11, in those days, when you, I, I think of these days, he's like, he was like, in those days, in 2017, oh, it's not even 2017, y'all. <laughs> when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I have another version. Hold on. I'm going to find this other version, hopefully. I feel like I didn't get all my scriptures. Hey, Crystal, can you bring me that scripture page that I had up there that I gave you? Because I think I thought I had two and I only had one. (laughs) Um, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I feel like that is just, I, I think I've been, thank you, Javier. Yeah, this is probably the one I was missing. Yep. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. Then you will call upon me and I, you will come and pray to me and I will hear and heed you. Then you will seek me, inquire for, and require me as a vital necessity And find me when you search for me with all your heart. I think it's so interesting. I'm just going to tell you all my issues, you guys. I think it's so interesting that (laughs) we cry and whine all day. Okay, I cry and whine all day in my brain. And I'm like, God, where are you at? I don't feel you. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm just not feeling it today. Everybody ever been there? You're just like, nope. It's, where is he? Where are you, God? And I never, I barely open my Bible sometimes. And I'm still like, where are you, God? Where are you, God? You're not here. I'm supposed to feel you. I'm supposed to like hear you. I need to hear your voice. <laughs> but he has a whole Bible for you here that you can hear his voice. Surprise, this is the Lord's word. He said all these things. Have you got through these words yet that he gave me? Because <laughs> I haven't, but I'm still asking him for something, for something different. I'm not saying it's bad to ask him for something different. I'm saying whenever in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, he says, seek me. Seek me. Y'all, y'all seeing something here? Y'all getting what I'm getting? How are you going to find him? How are you going to feel him? How are you going to hear him? I'm looking for this row up here. They're not saying nothing. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. Seek him. Seek him and you will find him. If you really want If you really want to hear him, if you really want to know him, 
He's not foreign. I'm going to fall off this stage. He's not foreign. <laughs> he's not foreign. He's not gone. He's not dead. He's not sleep. He's not on vacation. He's not in Florida at his condo. He is there. If you seek him, you will find him when you search for him with all your heart. So when I say like, when I say, when I'm, I'm laying on the floor, worshiping the Lord and saying, Lord, I, I just give me more of a revelation of you. That's not a bad thing, but I have to do my part, right? It's not just like this, just like this, this thing. I have to do my part. I have to read his word. I have to seek his face. Um, I'm reminded because of this, this little guy. Morgan's mom wrote these little notes to her and to herself all the time. She had a whole little packet of these scriptures. This one is Romans 12, 2. And it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Front row. Meditating on the word. Reading the Bible. That was good. You did it. Reading the Bible. Meditating on the word. And then, so there's a then. Y'all know what then means? After you do that. So like when your parents are like, okay, you clean your room. Then we're going to the movies. So like, if you don't clean your room, then you're not going to the movies, right? Right? Okay. You guys got to work on it. <laughs> she said, I agree. <laughs> be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So who, okay, who has asked God, Oh, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what your will is for my life. Come Y'all lying up there. Y'all lying in church. I cannot believe you guys. I see y'all. It's fine. It's fine. I'll, I, he forgives you. <laughs> but it says, renew your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Isn't that a, that's some revelation right there. You've been asking God, what's your will? What's your will for my life? What, what's your will? What's the next step? What are we doing? What are we doing? Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. And once you renew your mind, you'll be walking in a, in a new place. You'll be, you can hear God's voice better. And I know that sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, it's true. It's absolute true. And I know that because it happens to me all the time. <laughs> and I don't like to admit my vulnerabilities, but you know, if it helps you, it's good. <laughs> but I, I, tend to, I tend to go up and down, and that's not a good place to be, right? Up and down. Like, I'm consistent in like, yeah, I love the Lord. Yeah, I want his will. Yeah, I want, I want to do what he wants me to do. But like, I'm not always consistent in seeking him, like wholeheartedly, right? And so when I don't, and I don't renew my mind, then I just feel far away. <laughs> and so like, it's this roller coaster pattern of, and I'm like, why God, why is it me? Why are you so far from me? But it's not, I've chosen to put myself far from him, right? And then I forget all of these things because I go back to him and I'm good. And then I forget. And then I'm like, why are you far from me again? 
So I'm just telling you so that maybe you can learn from my mistakes that renewing your mind, then you'll know his perfect will. Seek him. You will find him. And you'll, you'll be revolutionized by his perfect love. Revolutionized. We need to have a whole different thinking. Our thinking, our way of living is not working. It's not working, y'all. Not working. It leaves us with depression, with anxiety, with anger, disappointment. It's not working for us. But the Lord has a higher way. He has a higher way for us to live. And it's hard. And it will require some sacrifice of maybe your time. Maybe you have to train yourself and get yourself in line. But it's going to be the best for you. And you're going you're gonna to excel way past what you've ever thought you could. You're going to hear the Lord better than anything that you ever thought you could. And people are going to be like, who is that? Who, who is, Darian looks completely different than he ever did. Caitlin looks completely different than she ever did. Because I'm living in his perfect will, seeking his face, renewing my mind. And these are just things that we can all do. These are not hard things, right? These are not hard things. As the band comes back up, I just want to talk to you guys just a little bit more about his love. Not a lot more, I promise. Don't worry. But understanding the love of God, seeking him, and understanding his love is the secret to overcoming life, to overcoming anxiety and depression, to being healed. Sometimes your your own block to being healed. Unforgiveness is a block. Multitudes grow spiritually cold and lazy because they're ignorant of the Lord's love for them. And they are not interested in finding out more about it, right? Or they or they are, but they're not willing to search deeper, to go deeper. They don't know that the greatest weapon against Satan's attacks is to be fully convinced of God's love for them through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. When you're fully convinced that God loves you and that he wants good things for you, (laughs) then you can be fully convinced that he wants to heal you or other people, right? You can be fully convinced that he wants to use you to touch other people's life or to give a word of prophecy to somebody's life. Prophecy isn't some creepy thing necessarily. It really is encouragement, and it really is <laughs> connecting someone to the heart of God. God wants to talk to people, and he wants to connect with them. And you can be that connector. You guys can go ahead and start if you want. You're doing great. <sighs> There's so many scriptures about his love for us. There's so many scriptures. Jesus came to show us who the Father was. In the Old Testament, they had it a little skewed up, right? <laughs> they didn't know how much he loved them. I don't, I don't feel like they knew. They didn't understand. So he sent his own son as an as a offering for us. He sent his own son. 
himself came down. And he himself is a fully God and fully human. And he's sitting at the right hand of, of the Father. We're sitting, we're joint heirs with him sitting at the right hand of the Father. How incredible is that? Humans. <laughs> Just little old us. <laughs> we're sitting at the right hand of the Father. He wants to work in you. He wants to reveal his complete love to you. You have to be open to it. You've got to want it to seek him. And open your Bible when you seek him. That'll help a lot. I promise you. Romans 13, 10. The Passion Translation, it says, Love makes it impossible to harm another. So love fulfills all the law requires. And I love that because, you know, the law, whenever Jesus came, talked about the law is to love God, love the Lord your God, and love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're loving people, then it's impossible to harm someone, right? Because you're doing all the First Corinthians stuff. I just, I love just that God is just, He's so loving. Psalms 36, 7 says, How precious is your unfailing love, O God. And talking about God's love, it's, it's over, there's over 70 verses. I'm pretty sure there's probably more in the Psalms that are talking about God's love, His love, His unfailing love. I don't know if you guys have experienced the love of a father before. Even human, earthly fathers, they don't compare. Even if you had a really good father, they don't compare. And if you had a really crappy father, they definitely don't compare. Because your father, your heavenly father, wants to. He wants to show you his love, his complete and perfect love. And he wants to show you that he's going to provide for you. And he's going to meet all your needs. He loves you guys so immensely. You've never encountered a love like this before. And if you've never encountered God's love, or if you want more of him, we're going to have prayer partners that are going to come to the front. And these prayer partners are going to pray with you. Or you can come to the altar. Either one. If you want to just kneel before God, say like, hey, God. But I encourage you to find a prayer partner if they're going to come up. It's okay. I think he went to the bathroom. Yeah, you can come. I encourage you to find one of these prayer partners and have them pray with you. If you've never encountered the love of God and you want to give your life to him today, or if you just want more of him, you want a more of a revelation. And I think that, honestly, we should all be up here because how are we, how are we going to live without more of his love? How can we be empowered to love and value people like he values people when we don't have more of him, like him living in us or, or him, we're not, we're not being aware of him living with us, not living consciously of his, with his love in us. So I just encourage you, everyone stand to your feet right now. We're gonna worship. And if you wanna encounter God's love, if you want to encounter it for the first time or for 
for the 10,000th time, I don't care how many times you've been up to this altar for more of God, there's always more. There's always more that he wants to give you. There's always more that he wants to help you with, to break off of you. And so I'm just encouraging you guys to come down right now.